OK, we can go ahead and get started. It's 1030. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Excavation Safety Alliance Town Hall titled How Can We Get More Women Involved in Damage Prevention, Excavation Safety and Construction, hosted by Infrastructure Resources. My name is Geraldyn, and I'm the Office Administrator for IR. Our ESA town halls are designed to be an open forum to discuss concerns and present potential solutions to improve damage prevention and excavation safety. A recording of this town hall will be posted on the Excavation Safety Alliance website and a short recap will be included in DP Pro magazine. Please know we will be posting the chat, so if you don't want your comment or your name included, just indicate that with your comment. We will wrap up around 1130, but we'll continue with a coffee and questions for those of you who would like to stay on for just a few extra minutes and ask any final questions. If you have a question during the town hall, you can type it into the chat box or click the raise hand icon and we will give you the permission to unmute yourself. Just give us a second to give you that permission before clicking on the microphone icon to unmute yourself. Today's meeting is meant to be a discussion and you're all encouraged to ask questions and share solutions. Please try to keep your comments brief to allow other time, others time to interact. And now I will let Keitha Molina introduce herself and the panelists and discuss a few other key facts for today's conversation. Well, awesome. Good morning, everyone. It is still morning, right? Yes. Good morning. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, my name is Keitha Molina. I am the Senior Damage Prevention Manager for Texas 811. Also, I am the president of Leading Women of Damage Prevention. That is a group that has gone nationwide. We're very excited about that. But uh, it is a pleasure for me to be here with you today and to help moderate uh, uh, this meeting. I want to tell you we have a great group of panelists and uh, they are very much, uh, they are very passionate about uh, the topics we're going to be discussing. And of course, they are, some are women and some are women supporters. So we appreciate everyone that's on the panel today. And of course, we want to thank everyone for joining us. But let's introduce the panel and we'll get started. So I will let anyone that wants to volunteer go first because we all have to do this. I'll go first. Okay. Um, I prepared something. So, okay. Um, my name is Whitney Larson. I'm a safety specialist and DEI advocate for Minger Construction. Minger is a general contractor that specializes in sewer and water tunneling, site excavation, and lift station rehabilitation. I would consider myself as becoming a social media athlete, and I'm a committee junkie. Um, I'm a director for the Minneapolis St. Paul chapter of the National Association of Women in Construction. I'm the Outreach Communication Social Media Chair for the American Association of Safety Professionals Northwest chapter. I also serve on the Day of the Dozers Workforce and Education and Events Committee for the Minnesota Utility Contractors Association. And I've recently just joined the Southwest Light Rail Joint Ventures New Workforce Outreach Committee. Um, I'm a Christian fitness enthusiast, dog mom, new homeowner, girlfriend, and I ride a Harley. Um, I'm just four years into my experience as a construction professional in safety, and I freaking love it. Um, thank you for having me as a part of the panel discussion today. I'm very much looking forward to participating and also learning as much as I can from y'all. So. Um, thank you. Who's next? 
I can go next. Um, I'm the other Whitney, Whitney Price. That's going to be a hard <laughs> one to follow. Um, I've been in the industry for a little over 10 years now. I started doing marketing for a signpost um, and, mark and marketing company for uh, utilities. And then I kind of switched over to doing more education and public awareness. And I think that's a perfect fit for me because I absolutely love it. I love chatting with people. I love the whole safe digging thing. And yeah, I'm where I'm supposed to be. So happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. How about Miss Kelsey? Thank you, Keitha. Good morning, everyone. Happy 811 Day. I'm Kesley Tweed. I'm the Executive Director for the Pipeline Association for Public Awareness. So I've been in the pipeline sector for about 10 years now um, and really joined the industry because I had I was living in North Dakota at the time and I heard about all the good that the industry was doing in terms of economic development and the way they were giving back to the communities. So that was really what drew me in. And I think as everyone else has said, it's been a very rewarding career since that time. I've, um, I come from a corporate kind of communications background, so more PR side of things. So I've worked in community relations, uh, corporate comms, crisis comms, and now um, well, public awareness as well. And now with the organization that I work with, it's super rewarding because it really is all about promoting the safety and saving lives. And I think that that's one thing um, that really kind of grabs people when you think about at the end of the day, the important work that we do. Um, so I was really excited to be part of the panel today. Um, in addition to what I do for PAPA, I've also been a life coach since about 2015. So in my free time, I work um, with all people, but specifically with women on how to balance work and life and career and the whole body, mind, soul aspect of things. So I hear a lot of the challenges that come with that, not just in our sector, but overall. And so again, really looking forward to the discussion today. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, Ms. Oh. Good morning. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, please. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jose Espino. I'm vice president at Colorado 811. I've been at my organization and in this fantastic industry for 27 years uh, this past July. I'm excited about a lot of the growth that we've seen at our own organization as well as within the industry. And as we look at our strategic planning, DEI and B is huge for us and how we start to create models and build on, you know, the sex successes that we have had with a diverse workforce and how we're starting to see more folks in our recruitment efforts want to come to organizations that have these types of programs in place and that mean what they say and they see that you're actually living by that culture and not putting something in paper to attract people to your organization. So as well as a panelist today, I'm a very interested observer and learner today to understand how we can better improve our programs and ensure that there's equal opportunity um, and more opportunities for a diverse uh, workforce and leadership positions at my organization. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Who's next? I'll go. I'm good. I got it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Christina Mahler. I am coming at you from the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. Uh, I am the Director of Marketing for Griner Construction, which is a mid-sized general contractor here, and we do mainly commercial um, ground up and historic renovation. 
I uh, also am the executive director of Crew Collaborative, which is a nonprofit, startup nonprofit. We've been going for about two years now. And uh, we focus on using unique marketing and uh, normalizing men and women and diverse uh, uh, diversity on any sort of job site or anything blue collar. So we've got some amazing traction. We've got some really unique ways that we are approaching people. Uh, personally, I am a single mom of two kids. I am an artist. I am extremely blunt and outspoken. Uh, you've probably seen some of my writing on LinkedIn. Uh, it sometimes gets me in trouble, uh, but usually it's well received. So uh, I'm a compulsive advocate for the underdog. Somebody described me that way and I loved it. So um, and that's me. Awesome. And I think we have a couple more. Miss Denise. OK, you guys are tough acts to follow. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Denise Elliott. I'm with the 3M company. I've been in with 3M for 28 years. Uh, started out in uh, schlepping sandpaper around uh, um, Arkansas. I have been, been in male dominated industries my entire career. Um, I have been in damage prevention for about 12 years. I live in Minnesota. But I'm from the state of Arizona. I make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> um, so I've seen I've seen so many scenarios and I've seen success and I've seen failure with um, with women in our industry and how do we attract them and how do we develop them and just the strides I've seen in the latest um, generations where um, it, it's so much more equal than when I started. <laughs> you know, I was a lone wolf out there. Um, so it, it's nice to it's nice to have so many strong women. Um, and I, I can say that I I haven't found many that I didn't really care for and like because you got to have a little bit of moxie to be in our in our organizations in a male dominated industry. And so it's hard to find someone you don't really like and want to help out. So um, my special thing is I have five grandkids. I have no work-life balance problem. I spend every second I have with my grandkids. So, <laughs> so nice to meet you all. I hope I can help you in some way today. Awesome. And I believe we have Miss Alejandra. Hi, everybody. It's I feel real honored to be here and share this space with all of you great women and of course with Suspina. Uh, well, about me, I'm a Mexican civil engineer and I'm a physicist and mathematician too. I, my work has been focused on mainly on geotechnical engineer roads and high technology equipment as the GPR is. I am manager for the company Rochelle Ingeniería and I've been involved in the development of technological tools as well as the innovation and development of high-tech vehicles for highway inspections and evaluation. Um, in addition to the development and innovation of, of new technologies, in 2017 I implemented a new method for locating victims for the airway that shook uh, Mexico City. Uh, support for urban research and rescue groups. And right now I moved from Mexico City to Cancun. I'm suffering here in paradise, so if you want to come, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm working too with INSET. Here I'm developing uh, applicable procedures and methodologies in Yucatan and all this region as well as the implementation of new materials for the construction industry. 
So I'm really happy to be here with you. Awesome. Well, I heard an open invitation to go to Cancun. Did y'all hear that as well? Yeah. Let's let's do it. Whatever you want. Whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> Well, I want to thank all of you panelists for uh, joining this meeting, and uh, I hope we can help and obviously support and encourage some women in our industry, but also, you know, support the men that support the women, you know, because this is a human issue not a woman or a man. So a little bit more about me and then we'll get started. Um, so I have been in the industry for about 26 years. So I come from that old oil and gas mentality. So I like to say I've seen a lot of things. I will, I will add this. I have had a great support system when it came to men. Uh, there has been some very not so acceptable acceptable behavior but there has been more support than anything so i do want everyone to know that also men if you are on here this is not a group that we're going to say that you are the big bad buff this is not about this this is a group that we're going to come together and we're going to learn how to work together because there are many women across this country, across this um, nation that need to work and want to work, and we're going to try to make things a little easier for everyone. So the purpose of this call, also let me remind the audience, the chat feature is open. Uh, your hand raising is available, so if there's any comments, questions, please raise that hand. Definitely uh, interact with us, uh, type in any questions or comments, but let's go ahead and get this started. So we're going to have about three segments to this today. We're going to about talk about the struggles you have experienced or have heard as a woman or working with women working in the male-dominated field. So I want you, the panelists first, to think of two or three items that we're going to mention, but I also want the audience to think about that and start loading it in the chat. And we're going to go around with all the panelists and we're going to talk about our top two. Let's just mention those and then let's start some discussion. Also, again, I want to encourage the audience participate. Tell us what you've experienced, any struggles and let's, you know, let's have some balance. If it's not a struggle, let's have some victory moments and let's post those as well. But let's go ahead and let's start with uh, Miss Whitney Price. Sure, so I was thinking about this a little bit last night and I think I'm I'm pretty lucky in my 10 years. I haven't had a ton of huge instances that have really stuck out to me. I've had a great support system, both men and women um, in my career, but there were a few that kind of stuck out and I, I thought about them and I thought, you know, at the time when these happened, I didn't really think much of it. I was kind of in my infancy with, with my job. And now thinking back, I've gained a little bit more confidence. And I thought that's that's not right. And one that stuck out to me, I remember it was, my second or third year, um, I was working for the, the marker post and sign company at the time. And I remember we had prepared for a conference that we were going to, we, you know, months on end working super, super hard. We got everything kind of ready to go for the show. And I remember the night before the show took place, um, I met with um, my manager and I said, you know, we're just kind of going over things, making sure everything was ready for the next day when the show kicked off. And I had a bunch of my peers around me and we were talking and, he asked me if I had done X, Y, or Z. It was it was prepare and bring a couple different things. And I thought, 
you know, I actually didn't, but you never asked me to do that. And I said that, and I remember he just lit me up in front of all of my peers. And it was such a small, minor thing. And I remember walking down the hall. I just left. I didn't even respond to him. I remember walking down the hall, getting in the elevator, and I just let it go. I just cried in the elevator. And I went down and I thought, I thought to myself, he has never talked to any of the other individuals on the team like that, like he's talked to me. And I thought, how I just couldn't believe it at the time. And I thought, you know, I maybe I'm inadequate in my position. I was hesitant from then on to kind of share my opinion going forward for a little while until I actually sat down and thought about it. And I thought, that's actually not right. And I talked to a few peers about it after the fact, and they were like the ones that were actually in the room at the time. And they said it isn't. And I mean, it, it just made me feel so small at the time. And I think now that I've had a few more years and I've had um, a few more experiences, I think standing on my own two feet and actually speaking up and confronting someone face to face and having a little bit more of a backbone than I had um, in the beginning has actually served me right. And now I've, I've gotten a little bit more respect, I think, in that regard going forward. So it was a good lesson learned. I've had a few of those myself, so completely understand. How about Miss Whitney Larson? Sure. Um, so again, I've been really lucky and haven't experienced a whole lot of it, um, but I'm grateful for the ear that I've developed for a new word that I'm learning even more about is like this microaggression thing. Kind of a big deal. So I was at a conference and this gal, it's like a personal her story as well as mine kind of kind of just ended up all together in one big like bam. So she was a, a keynote speaker and she runs a dog sled team. And she does tours and stuff. And when you're doing this adventure kind of thing, you have to be adventure like first aid certified. And it's this really grueling process. It's like, all right, here's the scenario. You were canoeing. You all went over a cliff. There's bodies everywhere. What do you do? <laughs> so she was elected to be the lead of the group. Um, and then when the instructors came back, they were just outwardly ignoring her and kept going to the guys for thinking that they were the leaders. And in fact, it was really her that was in charge of the group elected by men and women to like lead the group. And it, she was just so taken aback by how like outwardly rude. And you're all sitting there, you know, hearing the story and going, oh my gosh, that's like, that's appalling. And like, it's so blatant, but then sometimes it's not so blatant. So in the middle of like 400 people, I raised my hand. I don't know why. <laughs> it's probably Holy Spirit led. But I'm like, all right, I wasn't going to say anything, but now I have to say something. So the day previous, um, one of the presenters I noticed kept addressing the room as gentlemen. And he did it a couple of times. And I'm sitting there looking around. I'm going, there's like 10 women in here. I'm like, that's, huh interesting and then I didn't let it and then I let it go and I got home and I talked to my boyfriend about it I was like you know everything was pretty awesome except for just this one little thing but you know you know why say anything because I don't want to be that girl you know that says something but I chose to instead address it in front of everybody and I turned to the guys in the group and I said I'm like look sometimes it's outwardly blatant like this and sometimes it's really subtle like what I experienced but we appreciate it when you champion and stand up and say something, 
regardless of what what was said or how you're going to look. It's like we appreciate it. So like that idea of having a male counterpoint, a male champion, um, it's huge. So that was my my I'm Spartacus moment. <laughs> I understand that. Miss Kesley. Yeah, so great thoughts, Whitney and Whitney. Um, I'm hearing this theme of like really speaking up and using our voice. And when I stepped back and thought about my biggest challenge, it wasn't anything external in the industry. It was completely me being my own worst critic and worst enemy. Uh, so when I first came to the industry, I was in a field office in North Dakota that was mainly dominated by engineers and a few lawyers. And so every meeting I would find myself in was mainly men um, and people who I have a communications background and people with very um, elevated in terms of their educational background. And it was incredibly intimidating for a young, fresh out of college, just a couple of years out of college, I'd come from a nonprofit and I'm sitting in these meetings and I'm getting in my own head because I know that the perspective that I'm going to bring is going to be so much different from everyone else sitting at the table. And so I struggled with that for a really, really long time. And fortunately, um, I had a manager who kind of recognized that among her team because she had a team mainly of women in a male dominated industry and company. And she suggested that we do an activity that was focused on understanding our strengths. Um, it's called the Gallup Strengths Assessment, if anybody is familiar. And that was really, for me, a game changer because I recognized and I, I remember her or our coach or someone saying to me at some point, you know, everyone has an equal seat at the table. We need all of our voices to be successful in this industry. So if one person's holding back, that's going to set all of us back as a team. So I had to recognize that although I was different and I saw things in a different way, I don't necessarily know if that's, um, a, you know, women specifically, I don't think that it is. I think that that's just diversity, recognizing that as an industry being more diverse and respecting one another, but most importantly, at the end of the day, respecting ourselves, especially if we have an opinion that's different, being brave enough to really speak up. So that was, that was probably my biggest challenge. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have mentors who've really been encouraging, but I think for all of us as people who are leaders, um, that would be one thing I think to think about is how do we encourage those silent or um, underheard or undervalued perspectives to really be nurtured and encouraged to bring their uh, perspective to the table? That's correct. Thank you. Let's hear from our gentleman on the panel. How about Jose? Thank you. Um, different perspective, I suppose, in one of my experiences. I, I did HR at my organization for a very long time. And when I entered that field, at that point in time, it was very female dominated um, as far as that industry. Attending my first couple of SHRM conferences, just felt a little overwhelmed at that point because there was not a lot of, a lot of males and not a lot of males in leadership positions within that industry. And but I found myself in roundtable discussions and in smaller meetings at that conference and even here at home in, in Denver when I would attend training seminars and so forth that I felt that my input and my voice was valued. So I had to think of kind of flip that script a little bit and think about 
our own industry and how we are male dominated and are we as welcoming and at that point in time were we also as accommodating to a female voice uh, because it was different for us i'm very proud to say that my own organization yes we've always valued uh, diversity and everybody's voice and that inclusion so we're building upon that success but it really did put me in a position to think about what it's like in the field uh, whether you're a locator whether you're running heavy equipment whether you're a construction manager or you're in marketing in this industry how difficult it is to find your voice and allow your voice to be present and work towards that so try and put myself in that perspective as uh, we treat women and anybody um, that that may feel that they're marginal in in our industry and how pleasant my experience was in HR and how I want to make sure that we create that same culture in a very tough, very rough industry at times for females and other folks. And um, that helped me. So I kind of see that as a success and why I carry the mentality that I do and why we want to continue to maintain the culture that we have and understand that it's tough. I, I'm a father of three young ladies and constantly encouraging them to champion themselves and not change their voice, not make accommodations to make you feel that you have to be different when you're in a male dominated industry or group of males. Be yourself. And I've said this before that um, you, you can't be responsible and own the reactions and how folks are going to treat you. You got to plow through and be who you are. And on our end, we've, we've got to be more accommodating. It's not the women that have to learn how to be different around men. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And Welcome. what an interesting viewpoint. Different, but yeah. uh, definitely something that uh, everyone should know and, and hear. What about you, Miss Denise? So it's interesting because I think I've just been in this longer um, that it's probably not coming from everybody. But, you know, I mean, sexual harassment was a big deal when I started. So it would have been 1995, in the 90s. And um, I worked with all men. Um, so if, if I could go back and talk to Denise, so that's kind of what I'm gonna try to do, if I can do that. Um, be yourself and be who you are. Don't try to be ball busters. And you guys know what I'm talking about because there's these women that are successful and they're smart and they don't need to treat other women like crap and they don't need to treat men like crap or be afraid to say, I have to go to the bathroom. I, I know this girl, she's like, I will never go to the bathroom until everyone else goes. I was like, come on, if you got a pee, pee. Um, but we have to look out for all these other women out there because there's so many people, you feel this competition and you're like, yeah, I'm competitive in sports, but I'm not competing at work. I'm just trying to do my job. And you feel that and it's not you. And so I just would just tell Denise of the 1990s, you know, just be yourself and, and, and be what you're, what you're strong at. And I had customers say things to me and I had gone to my male counterparts and said, this guy just said this. <laughs> and he was like, Denise, you got to, you got to respond right away. You can't ignore it. You've got to come up with a one-liner and not a rude, not a smart ass. You got to come up with your one-liner to say, that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, what do you mean by that? Or just something just to kind of put it back on them. But if you let that kind of stuff go on too long, you can't stop it. So you got to, you got to. And then I had another coworker that went and talked to someone and said, I saw you do that to her. And don't you ever do that again? Because I was too uncomfortable, but I'm older now and stronger. But 
there's physiological, biological, fundamental differences between our genders and our races and our life and everybody. And what we bring to the table is amazing. And I remember when I was in um, community college, <laughs> you know, we had, um, I was like, why did we talk about diversity? We started talking about diversity in community college. So then now I'm, now we're talking the eighties. Okay. And <laughs> I read this marketing book and it said, would you want Revlon to have white male 40 year olds deciding what makeup black women should wear? And that did it for me. I was like, I get it. You know, cause I never was raised that I wasn't good enough cause I was a woman. I just didn't understand it. Um, so diversity is just so important, but don't try to, don't try to not be who you are. Um, because that's fundamentally what makes you amazing. I let the guys carry my heavy equipment when I'm doing demos. I let them open my door. And I see some stuff in there about going to get the coffee and stuff like that. I know we've all been there, but you don't wanna be the hard butt person going back going, what, just because I'm a girl? No, it's because you are the closest or, you know, whatever. Um, so I get it, but I just, what I, my perspective from just, just getting beat up for so many years is just truly stay who you are. Men out there wanna help us. They can help us maybe say it differently. Um, they can maybe help say, hey, as she was saying, don't not rely on the men and the other folks because they're very helpful. So that's, that's kind of my, but my thing is just let's watch out for each other. Let's quit trying to compete. And I work so hard to get this high that you're going to have to work that hard. That's not fair. We've learned a lot. Let's help these girls coming up. That's absolutely right. I, I speak that in terms that way. Keitha, celebrate your wins. You've come this far. You speak with a filter now. You do these things. It, it's good. You, you've come a long way. So I love that you say that, Denise, because we are here. You know, we all need to be team female. We're here to support each other and to get each other through some things. And Jose, thank you so much. You have three young women at your home that you are raising to be independent, strong women. I love that, so thank you. At the same time, I have two boys, two girls. My boys, I've raised them to be gentlemen. You will open the door for women. You will carry that box. And of course, my, my girls, allow a man to be a gentleman. Allow them to do that. You do not have to carry that box, as you said, or do these things. Allow men to be gentlemen. Let them do that. Miss Christina, let's hear from you. I'm going to go out to lunch with Denise now because I feel like we're, <laughs> we live by each other. Let's be friends. Um, <clears throat> I'm all in. So, yeah, I feel, Whitney, yeah. I'm all in for all of us. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, I feel the same way about a lot of stuff with Denise. I, f I feel like I grew up kind of equal parts. I had a, have an amazing mom and equal parts like scrappy, but also like um, give people the benefit of the doubt type of thing. Um, so my experiences that were negative, I guess, actually ended up as positives for me because they kind of fueled me to push further. Um, I think that you either have negative things happen and you let them push you down or you decide that you're going to change the perspective. So um, my first one, I'll just talk about a couple quick ones because they, whatever, but my first job in construction, I worked as the director of membership for the local home builders association. And I, I left a really successful uh, career in jewelry design, like high end jewelry design for uh, eight years and decided I wanted to go into construction, which is not a normal decision. Usually you're in it 
uh, be, because you grew up in it or you kind of fell into it. Um, but I looked at construction and was like, those are the people I want to hang out with. And so I left it. I left the, the other career. And I remember at my one year review, um, my boss at the time said to me like, hey, you're doing a really good job and your numbers are fantastic. And wow, everything's going great. But we've gotten some feedback that you're a little too opinionated for a woman in our industry. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> And, you know, it's like you can take that feedback and and mute yourself or or put yourself into a quieter box or whatever. But I double down on uh, who I am at that point. I am outspoken. It's what makes me who I am. You know, Denise says, like, don't try and hide who you are, or change what you're all about because you are, you know, being a marketing person, you are your own brand. You are, every single one of us is coming out here as what we want people to per perceive us as. And if you're trying to be something you're not, then <laughs> it's not going to work out well for you. Um, and then the other thing that I, that really made me fall in love with this whole industry is, you know, coming from a white collar background and switching into more of a blue collar background, even though you technically I'm in an office, um, I had more negative experiences in the boardroom, if you will, um, coming up in white collar than I've ever had in blue collar. And, and just seeing the way that our industry carries themselves and, and how respectful the men are and how hardworking the women are, that's the type of industry I want to advocate for. And it's that stigma that comes with working in construction that drives me nuts, right? You know, you have all these people that are working their butts off and they have this stigma that they're going to be disrespectful to women automatically and that's just not the case you know if you assume someone's going to be a certain way that's the type of people you're going to interact with so yeah great input thank you uh, alejandra well um when it happened to me at the beginning of my career it was, I think that the very first problem that I saw it was my youth, because I was a little young engineer. I was starting to work with the GPRs. So here in Mexico, it's not that common equipment. So nobody knows it. So that was a big problem for me. Well, well, I know that when we all start in the industry, we have to, we have to gain experience so quickly. So we have to swim among all the sharks without being to board and learn from them, just safe to live and whatever. And something that I carry on my day to day, it's doing things that nobody else does. I like to innovate and develop new methods and to be able to leave a mark and to be able to find new horizons in the industry. So that was what I did. I tried to to do something else. So when I start with the GPR, it was always bothering me to talk that this is only good for this because you know you, you only use the GPR for this or for that and that's all. So I was like, of course not. You have to, we can do something else. There's more for this. So I start to read more, to research and read international articles. So that was how my vision expanded. So at the time, the company where I was working, uh, we were supervising the construction of a hydroelectric dam. 
in the north of Mexico. So my boss told me that there was a problem with a slope, that I was sleeping, and that that was a problem for the, the, the construction. So he just made the comment, and at that moment, my, my brain started spinning. And I remember an article that I read from Argentina, so that these engineers use the GPR for something similar. So I said, oh, let's try to do this. We can we can use the GPR. So I my my boss loved that and he was like, OK, let's do that. Let's try it. We we don't lose anything. You know, it's a great opportunity. So I was really motivated and I was really excited to to try this. So the day I arrived at the down, the leaders of the project and a lot of people from government were in a meeting and they they saw me with the GPR. So all of them were men. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm a small engineer. I don't have a lot of experience. I was working with the GPR for about a year, I guess, almost a year. So I was really nervous. I did it at the time. I did not give the importance because I was only focused on my on my work, you know. The person who was working with me was a younger engineer and he didn't have any experience with the GPR, so he was just helping me with doing something. And with that, something happened that that, that really marked me because all the directors got in around us and all the questions that were directed to the junk man, you know, and not me. And I was like, what the hell's going on? So, OK, I was just like, OK, I'm going to listen. And the boys was so nervous that he didn't know what to say because he didn't know uh, the equipment. And the only thing that he could say was, I don't know, she's my boss and she's the expert. So everybody looked at me like, like what? You? Really you? You are the, the expert? So I was like, OK, just breathe. And I told them and explained them how the equipment works and what I was doing, what I was trying to, to do. I gave them a demonstration and I got an, uh, pretty quick results and I was explaining all of that. So they were like, well, you know, all the things they were all they felt silent. And at the end of the day, they come up to me and congratulated me and. You know that. This work was really innovative, so that was like, okay, what happened? I what I did assume, I don't know why they assumed that the man was the the biggest one right there, no? And it was like, I'm the one. I'm this is my project. So okay. What happened here, this was my first defined challenge to get noticed. At that time I had no dimension that what could would come next. There have been years of struggle to remove the stereotype that women cannot be the experts or that we are not capable or we are not very trained for the job. So from that moment, I began to investigate, to study more and keep innovating and proposing unusual <laughs> and different solutions as the GPR and the, for, for example, the air quick note. And that's what I do. I continue doing this and Right now, I'm here with you. <laughs> so can I, can I add on to that? Can yes, I add on to please. that? Um, so as a female to male dominated industry and um, out making sales calls, if you guys didn't know what I did, um, 
I have to immediately get, uh, I got to immediately demonstrate that I know what I'm talking about and get right to the point and get right to the meeting and start showing them how smart I am. <laughs> um, and then after they've established, I've established that, then I will start kidding around and talking about local events and stuff where my coworker on the other end, he'll watch the news in the morning and he'll start discussing what's happening in that city that they're in and try to talk about sports. He'll look at their wall and see what they're interested in. As a female, I can't, I have to jump right into the technical and show myself first without being boastful or, you know, ridiculous. But then I can't start being myself for a little while into that in initial meeting. So I just wanted to share that on top of the back of that. Well, I agree with that. I mean, it's almost, you have to give your resume and then they listen. And then you can become yourself. You can, you can joke, you can laugh, you can do those things. But it's almost like you have to give that resume as a preface before anything, you can move on. I love some of the things that are going on in the chat. I hope the panelists are looking at these and reading these. Someone saying, seize that opportunity and show them that you know your stuff. That's exactly right. As women, we have to know our stuff. And you know, be faithful to yourself. Your job hired you because you are a confident person. You know your stuff. Be confident in yourself. So I talked about uh, the different uh, segments we were going to have. So our next segment, and please continue to add to uh, the chat. Also, uh, panelists, please add to that chat as well. But our next segment, if we could build a toolkit, and I'm talking industry terms. I think everyone in here knows what I'm talking about. When we build a, a toolkit, those are things that will help uh, for a project or, uh, you know, documents and, and plans and things. If we could build a toolkit for a woman to make it in this male-dominated world that we live in, what is what would you contribute to that? And also the next toolkit we're going to build is to our companies, to our male counterparts. If we built a toolkit for them, what would we ask them to add to that? So I'm gonna give everybody a second also to the audience, please, if there's a toolkit you could build, what would you add to it? Both for the woman, for the female, and also for that company or for that boss or for that male. Let's build a toolkit. And I'm actually not going to call on folks. I'm going to ask for volunteers. Who wants to go first? I can go. Okay. Um, so I would probably do something like a best practices um, in our industry. I would say that it seems like a common theme here is, mm -hmm. is putting tips and tricks together for recognizing both conscious and unconscious kind of bias that are out there, calling out the inappropriate comments, the inappropriate behaviors, and thinking about it more so that it's not only doing a disservice to yourself by not saying anything or confronting the issue, it's doing a disservice to everyone around you, both men and women, to, to not be treated equally and to not be heard and to not be respected for your own opinion. So I would say that would be the biggest piece for me. And I'm kind of getting empowered by all this kind of stuff. I'm reading through the comments and stuff too, so this is kind of getting me all fired up, which is good. But so Whitney, so let's focus on that for just a second because you're saying you got to call it out. How you call it out helps you succeed or not succeed. So give me an example how to call it out because I think as a toolkit, we need that sentence or that retort that's professional, but not, what would you do, Whitney? 
I would probably say if it were me right now, I would probably say, can you rephrase that question or ask it a different way if it was asked in an inappropriate manner? And then if it's kind of addressed the same way or brushed aside, I would say, actually, that's not right. And here's why. Or here's my perspective on how I'm receiving the message. Am I off base? And then have a little bit of dialogue there, because I think a lot of times if comments like that don't get called out or if they do get called out, the person might be kind of taken aback because they're not used to being called out in that way. So I think just addressing it and it could potentially be me misinterpreting the information, but I think calling it out and having a dialogue about it is the only way we're actually going to move forward. Yeah, I agree with that saying something like here's what I heard you say. I just want to understand if this is what you meant. And right. if not, you know, here's how I could see it, how it could be perceived by X, Y, Z. Sure. Or ask clarifying questions. Hey, can I ask a clarifying question? <laughs> Anyone else? Not. Mr. Jose. I would say uh, back to to workforce education, some type of measurement of yourself to understand what your unconscious bias may may seem like to you. Back to the comment about making coffee and that goes to party planning and you know decoration and activities committees, things like that, where you know people inadvertently are asking women to lead in that space and you're not sure why. I think understanding that about ourselves is that our background and growing up is it being part of a of a group that has encouraged that type of behavior that just has naturally translated to us acting in a certain way as males when we see a, a female in a position of, of leadership or in a position unfortunately where we feel there's dominance um, you know just understanding how we perceive those things and how we can self-improve and make sure that we're not creating those cultures, those environments, or we're not trying to. I think folks may say things or, you know, um, not make eye contact during a presentation because of something that may have happened or how they're conditioned and how we can change that. Um, the second step of that is when you understand that folks are not able to uh, change to meet your culture, um, you know, start creating better retirement programs. Let's, you know, move folks along so we can have better cultures and have folks that are better more well-educated in how to work with each other. Thank you. Christina, I think I saw your hand. Yeah, uh, as far as a toolkit for women, this is kind of not, um, I don't know if this is what we're looking for, but I would actually make sure that they had the correct fitting PPE um, for their job. Um, I think that we see a lot of women still to this day that are out there in PPE that is way too big for them. Um, or we're immediately given something pink. Um, I get, I get, I don't, I'm not a pink person and I've had, uh, you know, the experience where you have the job site trailer where they keep the pink hard hats for pe people who forgot their hard hats and I just, you know, as a punishment, but then they also give the women pink hard hats, uh, which drives me nuts. So I would have correct fitting PPE, and then I would, as far as a toolkit for leadership or the company, I would have them introduce those female team members in a way that is equal to the how they would introduce any male counterparts. Um, I'm I'm a big fan big fan of just treating everybody equally. Um, you know, this is this is who what you're going to go to her for. These are her responsibilities and this is her experience and just backing them up from day one 
and uh, making sure that the whole team kind of sees that person as an authority. So. Awesome. That's great. I will add, I had someone text me and they're telling me she's right on with the PPE. I have lots of stories I could just share with that, but they also put amplify site safety. That's something to communicate. So wanted to add that. Who is next? Um, I can go. Um, I guess for a female in the industry, like a good tool for me has been joining women in construction groups, <laughs> finding mentors and women to look up to and men that will take the time out of their day to sit and explain things to me and encourage me and like, don't be afraid to walk up to somebody you've never met before and say, hey, can we be friends? <laughs> I'm like, you're just like me. I need to know more. Like, can we have coffee? Can we, you know, and um, yeah, I would highly recommend that networking um, piece of it just for the simple fact that um, we are here to encourage each other. Empowered women empower other women. Is exactly. Kind of exactly. how I see it. Um, also to go a little safety on you guys, um, absolutely amplify the safety thing because it, like parents, I would think it'd be like, no, I don't want my little girl in that you know dangerous of an environment, but it's like find a company that really if they say that safety is number one, like make sure that they, you know, mean it. Um, so you have a little due diligence there to do. But I would also suggest um, utilizing uh, your company's um, employee assistance programs because there are aspects of those programs that's outside of like mental health you know, support and outside of, you know, addiction support, which the construction industry is like one of the highest rated for substance abuse and um, suicide actually too. Um, but there is an aspect where they will advocate for you and like make calls and schedule appointments while you're at work doing those like 10, 12 hour days. So there are people and organizations out there that can help you, you know, bring home this massive piece of bacon that the construction industry has really closed that that pay gap, which is excellent, like 95% or something. Um, but then also help you take care of like the outside stuff, like dentist appointments and stuff like that. So it's a really great, great tool. So, thank you. Who's next? I'll go ahead and go next. Um, so toolkit. So the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about what would I want to give to other women, um, I talked about valuing ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when we value ourselves, it's twofold. We walk with more confidence. We earn that respect, right? But we also don't overreact or respond to things out of insecurity thinking, oh, they're just judging me because I'm a woman. So I think, you know, a question, if I were to come up with like one question, I'm big on self-reflection and introspection. What is the value that I bring to the table? When we know this is the value that I bring to the table, we can walk confidently, we can contribute more, and we can kind of trust ourselves more in terms of the engagements and where that line is in terms of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So that would be the biggest piece is knowing your value, but really um, not just from other people telling you, but really owning that and walking in that. So that would be my one question or my one thing I would offer to the toolkit. Um, in terms of on sort of the, the, the company side, 
I think that um, this is more of a tip, but seeing people as people. I mean, that's really the key, right? So more than just a woman, more than just someone in a certain role, but all of us have families, we have interests and in, in different unique aspects of us that we heard about today. And I think when we operate from that level as this is a person and really get to know the people that we're working with. So from a manager perspective, taking one-on-one -on -one time with your employees or you know, participated in even facilitated several team buildings. And employees thrive when people above them or people they work with actually take time to see who they really are. And so I think that's one way in terms of recruitment, retention, engagement, just overall contribution to what we do, seeing people as people and valuing ourselves as individuals is really the key for me. Awesome. How about Miss Alejandra? Well, you're saying only a true thing, right? What we need, I think that we need it's security, confidence, determination, and courage. Because uh, I was thinking that what I have faced as a woman in this industry is that I make myself smaller than what I am, you know? Every time that I was in a meeting with men, I always let them talk or I used to share my ideas to my boss so he could talk. I was, and this was because of the fear that they would not take on me on count or that they won't listen to me, but I was just making those ideas for me. That was because I felt that because I am a woman, they are not going to listen to me. So I was afraid of being rejected or or afraid of being ignored or afraid of being criticized or judged for being a woman. And the reality is that that's not the problem. The problem it was me because I was just creating those things in my, my head. What women need to shift from thinking, I'm not ready to do that. We have to think I want to do that and I learned to do this or that just to get com more confidence. We must I think that we must get rid of gender stereotypes because that limits our that limit us to ourselves. We are always carrying the weight of being a woman and that prevents us from growing or make brave decisions to undertake challenges or succeed. The gender stereotypes introduced in childhood, for example, are reinforced through our lives and become self-fulfilling prophecies. Most leadership positions are held by men and so women don't expect to achieve them and that becomes one of the reasons that we are not uh, leaders, right? And our culture needs to find a robust image of female su success uh, that is first not male and second we are not women on the phone holding and carrying a baby, for example. And of course, what we have to to do to, if we want to more women in the industry, we have to support each other. There is a phrase that I really, really, really hate the most. People say that the enemy of a woman is another woman, and why? Why do we we have to to fight with another woman, right? What it's true is that when women are unique. We create strong themes and 
there is nothing like support among women because we understand and experience gender problems because we are tired of doors being closed to us or being minimized or being just for being a woman, right? So there are more women help one another and the more we help ourselves, that's going to be, I think that's going to be greatest. That's awesome. Yes, gone are the days of being mean girls. Let's not do that anymore. Uh, mean girls, that was a long time ago. Were we once a mean girl? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not going to do that anymore. We're getting really close to ending this meeting, but I want to hear from our last two panelists. We have Miss Denise and we have Mr. Jose. So um, I will let you choose who wants to go and we will start bringing this meeting to a close. Jose, sure, go ahead. I talked I'm, about I'm, workforce education, so I'd be happy to hear uh, what did, what ideas Denise has. I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> Unless you want me to expand on that, but I just again, I'm going to harp on education for your workforce over and over and changing those models of behavior. Um, I, I, I can't, um, I, I have tools that I give to my, my young ladies, and that's the same thing, empowerment, courage, and understanding you know your own credibility that's who you are and be proud of who you are you don't um don't shrug your shoulders you're you know be, be the person you are and that'll show through and if other people don't accept it you have a choice to either pound through it again and help change that or you know leave that environment leaving the environment should always be the last option because then you just give up but um helping us be be better males and better participants in a diverse workforce it i i can't say more about that thank you so much miss denise <laughs> um <laughs> so so that that's a great point jose and um you know when we had all this stuff where the, they're everybody's getting in trouble with hr um, and then the guys were trying to stay away from the girls because they didn't know if they were going to screw it up and blow it. So they just ignored them. And, you know, and I've, I've said to, gosh, many, many, many men, you know, we know who the gross ones are. We know when someone's trying to be gross with us. So you're still allowed to hug me. Hello. That's not gross. I know the gross ones and I won't hug them. Um, so I don't want to take away from the importance of that relationship because we as women hug and we like to be hugged. Um, and I don't think we should stop that. I think we should all hug and I think we should lead with kindness. Um, but we also have to give a break. Um, and I don't know who's all on the phone. I know I saw you on there, Scott. Old guys like Scott, maybe older, <laughs> Scott Landis. Um, you kind of kind of give them a break because they kind of think of you sometimes as their daughter or, you know, or some they're trying to set you up with their son. And they really care about you and want to help you. And they may not talk to you the way you like. They may use inappropriate, you know, young lady, you know, that kind of stuff. And you got to kind of you kind of got to get get over some of that because there's we grew up in different times and different time capsules and we all have different words. And you guys say stuff I never even heard of. And my grandkids are teaching me stuff, um, but we all just got to give each other a little break. And I liked what Whitney said is, hang on a second. Did you mean, are you kidding? Did you, I was in a call with my boss and all my coworkers last week. And he goes, earlier in the call, he said, just among us girls. And I was the only girl on the call. <laughs> Towards the end of the call, he says, hey dudes. And I go, oh my God, did you just say dudes? <laughs> Not meaning that, I thought it was funny he said dudes instead of dude. but he was like i said girls and i was like please stop you know so i make it a point i'm not letting people walk on pins and needles around me yes. you know 
if they make me mad, they know I'm going to tell them and I'm going to stop them. So another little thing I've done in the past is when I've had people, um, <laughs> I've got specific examples. I won't waste your time, but asked me to go out to dinner with them or go to lunch with them or something that just felt gross. Right. We already, we all know grosses. And I'd say, um, well, yeah, usually I'm, I'm go out with my, my boyfriend cause I was single, which was worse when you're married. It's a lot easier, but when you're single they they think you're fair game. And I'd say, Oh, well, my boyfriend and I were going to, you know, maybe we should all go or, or when I was in Arkansas, I would say, could you please, bring, why don't you invite your wife to lunch with us? And I'm more friends with more of my customers' wives than my customers by just doing that kind of stuff. Or when I'm out to dinner with men, sometimes I will send dessert home for their wife if I'm paying for dinner, if we're having a business dinner. So just I just try to, I really, as far as a toolkit, we need women in our business to find women in our business. We need to do our own recruiting. If you see someone that's really special, like even at a restaurant, say, excuse me, young lady, I, I come here, talk to me, talk to me. What are you doing here? You know, we've got, we know, we know who we are and who can handle this and who has the moxie. So we need to go out and find other women with moxie to join us. Um, so just be kind. We need each other. I, I mean, we're, we're such, we're such an amazing gender and we bring so much to the table to each other. I just, I really want to push that because I've felt so much negativity and I was like, what did I do? I'm a very nice person and have someone, you know, so, so th there's a couple of tricks in there, but really we got to find it. I, I don't know about tool quick cooks, tool kits for employers. I have had people come to me and say, how do we hire women that can handle this? And I can tell you one of the, um, <laughs> I was talking to some HR people, Jose, and I said, one of the things you can find is if you find either it's male or female that grew up playing sports, they had to get to practice on time before school. They had to get their homework in. They had to do all this stuff. Generally speaking, if you find someone who is, grew up playing sports, they're better at organizing and getting in and doing their business and doing their job. But that's about all I got. Sorry. <laughs> that's great stuff. Now, don't say that's all you got because I'm sure you got some more. And I am getting texts. And if you look at the chat there, people are asking for a round two. So that might be something we need to talk to Scott about. But again, thank you so much all of our panelists. Thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you for participating in this. I hope everyone in the audience received something. Uh, if it's a nugget, a nugget is precious. Hold on to that. Uh, I do believe we are going to have our information available at the end of this session. If not, just reach out to us and we will definitely get back in touch with you. But Mr. Scott, I see you here. Is there something uh, that you would like to say? And my screen is going a little nuts. There we sure. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Keith. Just quick. This this has really been uh, been awesome, and it's like I I, I realized that I living in a fantasy world uh, part of my career just because I I'm. I've never really noticed whether they're men or women or whatever, and it's all good ideas. And then I hear everything that all of you are going through, and it's like, well, yeah, now I, I, I get it and I understand. And, you know, we're really lucky as an industry to have so many awesome people, both men and women. But, you know, to Jose's point, too, is I think, yeah, this this recording, uh, I don't know if you can make it required listening, but it really would be a good thing for a lot of men in the industry just to listen whether they're biased or not biased just to get perspective so i i think it's really awesome we had such a, a great group on the on the panel and all of you had such great things to say i know it was awesome for me so thanks a ton for participating 
thank you again for having us. I think with that, I will turn it back over to you and your team. And uh, uh, from me, thank you so much for this opportunity. It has been uh, definitely a great opportunity for us and for me and to be able to meet these women and men that are supporters of women and just to be part of this has been incredible. So thank you. Thank you, Keitha. Uh, it looks like um, we're past time a little bit, but if anyone would like to stay on for a few minutes, we can have a short coffee and question session just to address any final questions anyone might have. On behalf of everyone at Infrastructure Resources, I'd like to thank all of our attendees and those who shared their thoughts today. And a big thank you to our moderator, Keitha, and all the panelists for sharing their knowledge and insight. A recording of this town hall will be posted on excavationsafetyalliance.com where you'll also be able to register for next month's town hall, which will be on September 8th. And that one is titled, What are the best practices for preventing damage to electric cables above and below ground? So something a little different. Uh, you will be receiving a link to a survey for this town hall and we appreciate your feedback so we know how to continue to improve on how to make these valuable for you. Uh, also, today is the last day to sign up for a Global Excavation Safety Conference at $811. So uh, please consider joining us in Tampa, Florida, February 14th through the 16th. Uh, and also, uh, we do have some other opportunities. Uh, we'll have a recap of this town hall available in future issues of DP Pro. If you're currently not receiving our magazine, you can sign up to receive it in print or digital for free by visiting dppro.com slash subscribe. So I will let uh, Keitha take back over if we have any additional comments that we want to or questions that we want to address. Absolutely. Any last questions, please raise your hand, type them in the chat. Uh, we welcome all comments as well, all feedback. So um, with that, we will be on for a few more minutes. So please feel free to engage us. Thank you, Karen. Duty calls. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's Karen with Infrastructure Resources. Um, yes. I just wanted to say, Denise, your comment that you made that it cracked me up when you said, you know, don't worry if you if you want to give a hug. We know who kind of to avoid and who's going to make us uncomfortable. And so I think that's something that's definitely true that, you know, as soon as you get to an event, you know who your allies are and you know whose eye that you can catch that if you're uncomfortable, they're going to come over and interrupt the conversation just to make sure that they can calm everything down. And for me, I would say Jose is one of those people that if I can look over at him and he'll come over and say, hey, did you want to run? And, you know, I had to quick talk to you about this and he'll pull me out of that situation. So for the guys that are on this, know that a lot of you, I mean, especially if you're here right now, you're one of our allies and you're one of the people that we look to that that if there is an uncomfortable situation, we know that that we can trust you to to help kind of work that interference for us to not have it, you know, get out of an uncomfortable spot, I guess. Absolutely, and thank you for that. I think you know we need more advocates and folks just to step in for each other when when those situations occur. And you can see not only in just a physical presence of sort, like you you describe, but in a conversation or in a presentation where 
there's inappropriate remarks, inappropriate gestures, or even um, just innuendo, you know, we've got to step in. You got to say something, just as you were for any other any any other group that you would want to protect. It, it's important. Somebody mentioned earlier about um, addressing things as they occur and as you see them. That's important. L you know, looking the other way at times is just as um, uh, you're just as guilty, uh, you know, as the person that that's performing the action. So we've got to look out for each other. Well, are there any more comments or questions? I'm going through the chat now. I guess I'm going to kind of piggyback on Jose's mm -hmm. thing. I had a experience where um, I didn't say something right away. Um, and I think it was, again, I'm going back to my, the DEI portion of my title is new. Um, so I feel like it was like, in my whiteness maybe that I didn't it didn't click to me for some reason so I was at a job site and I used the portajohn and inside of the portajohn it said black lives matter and then somebody had written to nobody and I was like oh, that sucks and like just kind of laughed and you know went and talked to my guys and then I went home and it was the next morning I was like oh my god I'm like Oliver like one of our guys who is African African-American is on that job site and I'm like he has to look at that every single time he uses that protagon so then I got on the horn right away I was like how, can I get it removed can somebody scratch it off can we replace the protagon you know whatever and uh, we we ended up getting it taken care of and I I didn't ask the question you know how long has this been here instead I kind of gave my guys the benefit of a doubt I sent out an email to the foreman saying exactly that Jose I'm like if you see something like that and you leave it you're tolerating it and it's not professional and we're not going to tolerate it here um so I followed up with an email to the soups and the foreman with that I connected with Oliver to let him know that I saw him I saw that and we're going to take care of it and I want to know if something like that happens again so and he was um very he said thank you so much and I was like oh my god I think I like I actually made an impact but like it it makes such a difference but I don't want you guys to beat yourself up about missing stuff like that and not picking up on it immediately because it it's a skill to know how to approach those those conversations and um throughout it all I I was able to identify you know an advocate and one of my superintendents he's like that would never find my job and I'm going to go in there and find out like I'm going to get to the bottom of it like why are we why is this acceptable behavior or why is it okay to leave it here so it was a it was a really great learning experience and you you find your people once you yeah. get those conversations started you find your backup you do absolutely and you're right it's and it's a it's a developed skill because there's that perception well am i saying you know am i saying things to say things do i am i looking like uh, somebody that's just looking to report everything but that skill starts by speaking up for yourself once you're able to speak up for yourself in that moment when you experience that as you're experiencing it and holding somebody to task when when that occurs you start to be able to build the confidence to speak for other people, but it's got to start with standing up for yourself. Sure. I once had a mentor that told me silence is agreement. And that really stuck. Silence is agreement. So I had to learn how to speak for me first 
and then it was easier to speak for somebody else. And I say that in the sense of clarify for me, clarify that you understood it the right way. You're not beating yourself up because to defend someone else, it's easy. Yes. But to defend myself, it was difficult. So I really struggled with that for a while. But silence is agreement. So just take that and just chew on that a little bit. All right. Well, we are at 1140. I think we will wrap this up again. Thank you to everyone that attended. Thank you um, for the panelists for contributing. And uh, thank you uh, to the organization for having us. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. I think you did a great job. Thanks. Thank you. Bye -bye. Yeah, Thanks, I, everybody. Yeah.